podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this is James Ellsworth, duh, and you're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Remember, any man with two hands has a fighting chance. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer! Welcome to episode 83 and our guest this week is the number one Macho Man Impersonator, Macho Man, that is M-O-T-C-H-O-M-A-N-N, Macho Man, Vic Vine. Has got the likeness down so much, the mannerisms, the voice. If you're watching this on YouTube, you are in for a treat because he is in the full get-up of Macho Man 2. Vic can be found as Macho Man at all the conventions and there was a story that you're going to get to hear actually he was at Starcast two years ago for AEW Double or Nothing and he won a cosplay competition got ringside seats and there's a story about that because he's dressed up as Macho Man at ringside there's photo evidence as well and the fans were amazing with him that night so you get to hear about that Vic was a pro wrestler for many years as Vic Divine. He trained on the New York State circuit. Then he made his way to OVW, Ohio Valley Wrestling, which at the time was a developmental for WWE. Down at OVW at the same time as CM Punk. We know how well CM Punk did off the back of training down there. He was also in classes with Jake Hager, Serena Deeb to name but a few. So without further ado, my guest... For episode 83 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast is the number one Macho Man Randy Savage impersonator, Macho Man, all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada. Enjoy. My guest, all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada, it is the number one Macho macho Man impersonator, Vic Vine, all the way from Nevada today. Pleasure to have you on. Absolute pleasure. Oh, yeah. Happy to be here, man. Yeah. How How's things, Vic? Man, you know, it's uh, a little slower than usual, but uh, but it's Vegas, man. You know what I mean? It's uh, Vegas is doing its thing just a little bit slower than usual. Have you, have you had a lot of bookings and stuff or have the bookings died down? Yeah, unfortunately, right now, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, conventions that were closed that are going to be uh, postponed, and uh, you know, nobody's really looking to do the whole meet and greet thing in person right now. But I think things are about to pick up. What What are the fans like in the meet and greet scenario when they when they uh, see you? You know, it's unbelievable. Number one, how many little kids know who Macho Man is. You know what I mean? I mean. Uh, you know, Macho Man passed away way before they were even born, but yet he's such an icon and their parents, you know, uh, were big fans of Macho Man. So it's like the minute they're introduced to the visual, um, they're like hooked on it, man, just like we all were. Um, and uh, it freaks people out, man. Some people are actually like really freaked out by the uh, how uh, spot on 
the uh, the impersonation is. They're like, you know, it's you know, it's been described as creepy. <laughs> I I was at, I've been at WrestleCons before now, and I've been at WrestleMania week. Have you been? Have you been at the WrestleCons? Am I right in thinking this? I've been at a few. I uh, I've seen you. I didn't go over to you, but I'm, I I thought I know. I've I've seen Vic in the in the whole get up at the WrestleCons over the years when I've been over to the states. Yeah. Um. The last one, uh, or actually the most, uh, you know, a lot of times they do the cosplay contest. So it's like I go in and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to make some money, you know. And um, it's funny that the, the thing that really got this whole impersonation thing going was uh, what was about two years ago when, uh, when AEW had their first show here in Las Vegas in uh, March. It was just about, uh, right, March, was it? Um almost two years ago exactly, I believe. And um, they had the star, uh, Starcast or Star... Yeah, no, it, it was. It was Starcast, Vic. Yeah, they were yeah. Starcast. So uh, I found out the night before that they were doing a, a cosplay contest. And uh, it was like early in the morning. And I'm like, oh, man, I just found out about it. I'm like, oh, I got to get to that, you know? So I went down looking sharp the way I am right now. And uh, I had no idea what the prize was. I had no idea about anything. I just knew, like, okay, this will be some good exposure. You know what I mean? At the very least, even if I don't win it, it's good exposure, you know? And uh, next thing you know, I won two front row tickets to uh, AEW, to the uh, the very first AEW uh, pay-per-view. Double or nothing, I believe. That's that right. That was the one. How How has that been in attendance for that? Man, the, number one, like all the years that I've been a, a wrestling fan, uh, <clears throat> going back since I was like 10 years old, I've never gotten a front row seat um, to, you know, a WWE event or a big, you know, a big event. Um, and I had front row, man, like sitting right behind the t- uh, the timekeeper's uh, uh, or the, the bell, you know, the time, yeah, the timekeeper's uh, table there. Uh, and the announcer, you know, Justin Roberts was sitting like, two feet away from me and he turned around and he was like, he was popping huge for the gimmick. And, uh, and I was wearing the eighties gimmick, man. I had on the, you know, the purple shirt and the big white, you know, glasses and everything. Um, you know, that's my, uh, that's my, I wore this for the contest and I figured I'd dress down a little bit. You know, (laughs) I didn't have to go in character. I didn't have to go in character, but I, I figured it'd be a good idea. And, uh, Man, it was great, man. I mean, the show was awesome, and just being there in the front row, I had two seats because I couldn't find anybody in that short amount of time to go with me. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, I wish, I'm I wish, sit- I, I wish I was in Vegas. I could have sat with you, man. Oh. I know, man. I know. Somebody tried to sit next to me. Uh, somebody uh, tried to, you know, move on in. I stood up for a second. I turned around, and there was a dude sitting there. And if it was a hot <laughs> chick, I would have said no problem. But I had to tell him to take a hike, man. He's cramping my style. What What were the fans like with you around the ringside area where you were? Did they come over? Did you get have some photos of the guys and the fans and the patrons at the event? Man, I'll tell you what, man. When I was walking in, um, you know, I was being walked in by the uh, the usher to show me where my where my seats were, and uh, you know, I'm walking through, and the whole uh, like the whole stands. You know what I mean? Like I'm walking in between the the sections of the floor and the and the, uh, and like the raised, uh, seats, you know, and people are going nuts, man. 
they're cheering and they're going macho man and they're going oh yeah and, uh, and i'm like just you know eating it up man i'm doing the whole thing and um it it definitely uh it, it got a lot of uh i got noticed well, let's say that man and uh there was a guy that was like a few seats down from me uh or a few rows away and he was dressed as jesus and uh and he was getting a lot of attention, obviously. I mean, you know, he uh, he fit the gimmick, you know. And uh, we were going back and forth, man. Like, Jesus was challenging uh, Macho Man to a match. It was just crazy. So, uh, yeah, there was there was entertainment in the ring, and there was definitely entertainment, you know, in the uh, in the stands. I bet you, I bet you buzz off it, like just when you get the when the people are around. And I, bet, I bet it's I bet it's incredible. I can only imagine how it feels. What when you when you have that attention when you when you're all in in the in the gimmick, man? I love it, man. Honestly, like um, it almost feels like uh, you know, like I'm. It sounds weird and everything, but it's like it's almost like I'm channeling, you know, Macho Man. You know what I mean? Almost like I I kind of like uh, warp into him. You know what I mean? I, I get so into the character, and even after I'm done it's hard for me to like get out of the character, man. I swear. Like you hear things like that about people doing movies, but you know, I'll notice like afterwards I'll, uh, you know, it'll be hard to like, kind of like shake off the voice and, and, and the mannerisms. It's like, wait a minute, you know, it sticks, you know, and, but I love it though, man. I feel more comfortable being much than I do being myself, man. I go out in public a lot of times, you know, I've gone out like this, man. I just, you know, not on Halloween, just a regular, uh, regular day. I'm there pumping gas and people are just, you know, but then again, man, it's Vegas. So people might, uh, you know, look for a second and go, eh, it's Vegas, you know. It's understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I want to, I wanted to talk about you as a kid watching pro wrestling and obviously your first memories of seeing Macho Man, of, of seeing him. Right. Like uh, memories, like. Well, I uh, from what I can remember, man, I was uh, I guess I was eleven years old, and I started out as a Hulkamaniac, um, because at the time Macho Man wasn't there yet, and uh, the first time that I was exposed to wrestling was the actual, uh, it was the first WrestleMania. That was the first, uh, you know first glance that I got my dad was watching it um my dad was a wrestling fan I had no idea you know I didn't know anything about wrestling he didn't kind of like he didn't uh you know uh kind of get me into it he was just into it and uh I just happened to see what he was watching and um it just hooked me you know when I'm watching and the thing that hooked me was um I was watching it for a little bit I remember some of the some of the matches lower on the card, but it was the main event with how much, uh, you know, how much like fan reaction, like Hogan and Mr. T got. And, uh, you know, I didn't really know who anybody was. I just saw the reaction that Hulk Hogan, uh, got. And, uh, it was, um, it was just like this, this, the ovation and that sound, it was like, it gave me goosebumps right away. And I said, whatever this is that I'm watching, this is what I need to do. I need to, I need to be a wrestler. I want to be like that, that big guy. And, uh, that big guy was Hulk Hogan. And I said, you know what? Like, this is, uh, this is my calling. You know, you, you find out like 10, 11 years old. I think a lot of people, uh, figure out 
or at least partially what they want to do when they grow up. And I, there was no doubt in my mind that, um, when I saw wrestling for the first time, man, it was like, and it wasn't the wrestling. It was like, even before the wrestling happened, man, just the, the reaction of the people and, uh, these characters in the ring, I didn't even know what I was watching. You know what I mean? And I was like, whatever this is, man, it looks cool. And I'm doing that. Which, which matches of Randy's were the ones that you can still put on today? I, I think I've got a funny feeling which one of these will be some of the matches of the Macho Man that you can still watch today that you hold in high esteem. I think I've got a good idea what you're going to say here. <laughs> uh, I bet you do. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, you know, uh, it goes without mentioning the WrestleMania three read your mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. 100% steamboat. Yeah. Which I was too young. I was too young at the time. I was only one, one at the time here in the UK. So, right. yeah, I, so I watched um, it. I watched it years later. So I remember, uh, I remember watching that match, uh, at a friend's house, you know, it was pay-per-view and, uh, you know, it was a bunch of us kids in the neighborhood and uh, we all got together and watched. And uh, like you said, I was a kid, man. So I liked Macho Man, but not because of the great wrestler he was. Because what did I know? You know, I thought Hulk Hogan was great. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I was looking, everybody was looking forward to the, the Hulk Andre match, of course, you know, with the buildup and, uh, you know, um, watching Saturday mornings, you know, every morning and seeing this buildup happen, man. It was like, that was the big deal. Nobody, you know, me or none of my friends uh, realized that when we were watching the Steamboat match, uh, the Savage and Steamboat match, that we were watching the greatest, uh, you know, the greatest match we were going to see. It's just, so, uh, it's just incredible how it holds up today. It's just like, yeah. look how much wrestling we've had since and, and the, way, the way the business has changed, you know, from then to now. And it's just... It's just a masterclass, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the funny thing is about uh, the way wrestling is today is that, uh, you know, today's fan or today's wrestler would watch that and say that it was boring. You know what I mean? Because they don't understand how much, uh, like, that's a match. You know what I mean? That's psychology. That's greatness. You know, you don't see, uh, you know, 20 20 dives off the top rope and no selling and this and that and today that's kind of like what uh what people think are you know good matches um but uh you know if if you're in the wrestling business and you don't realize that that's the greatest match of all time you don't belong in the wrestling business you know what i mean absolutely now fast forward into you 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 wrestled you wrestled for many years as, as I'm assuming as Vic Fine, but I'm going to come to find out now. So just coming coming right. away coming away from doing the gimmick and the persona that you do today. How how did you get your start in professional wrestling? Well, what happened was, like I said, I always wanted to be a wrestler, you know, and um, I had absolutely no idea how you become a wrestler because there was no internet. That's how old I am. I'm a dinosaur. There was no internet back then. And, um, all I knew was that I had this, like, uh, this passion for wrestling because I just started watching it religiously, you know what I mean? Um, since I was a kid and, um, I just knew that like, I wanted to be a wrestler and I was going to be a wrestler and I wanted to look like a wrestler. And so, you know, I started working out and, uh, you know, I had a friend of mine who was a, a bodybuilder that was uh, looking to go pro and he taught me everything. We worked out together. We ate together. 
I mean, uh, he he morphed me into uh, into Vic Divine. That was my Divine. you know my wrestling name, and uh, I mean, uh, I was big. You know, I went from being a skinny kid to being you know a wrestler looking guy, and I think that look is very important. I knew that at you know at the very beginning, and uh, and because of that, I was always the most impressive looking in the uh, in the locker room because. You know, guys were very indie-rific, you know what I mean, uh, just as they are today. Uh, they just didn't look like athletes, and they weren't, um, you know, they didn't have ring gear that was professional, you know what I mean? I spent money that I didn't have. I think I'm still paying for my boots today, and that was like 20-some years ago. Uh, but uh, the way that I got my start, man, I was um, – I was, I uh, just got a job working at the, uh, the gym that I was working at, working out at. And I got to know the owner and, uh, the owner asked me if I wanted a job there. He was looking for somebody and, uh, I was working at a gas station at the time. I quit the gas station, started working at the, uh, the gym because that was like my whole life, man. Everything was about like getting big and, you know, fitness and nutrition and, you know, started learning a lot. And, um, so, uh, I took him up on his offer and uh, we were just talking one day. It was after he hired me and we're just, you know, the gym was slow and we're talking. He just wanted to get to know me. And uh, he said, you know, so what do you want to, I guess I was about 20, 20, 21. And he goes, so, uh, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what I mean? <laughs> when I grow up, I'm 20, but I'm, you know, far from a grown up. Yeah. Even as I am right now, far from a grown up. Um, and uh, I never told a lot of people, man. There was only like very, very uh, close friends that knew that I loved wrestling and wanted to be a wrestler. But you know, it wasn't the way it was. It was. It wasn't as uh, accepted in mainstream as it is today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's, you know, wanting to be a wrestler back then. I kind of kept it quiet, and uh, I didn't even tell my parents that I wow. wanted to be a wrestler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I think they knew because I was a, you know, such a fan, but, um, what ended up happening was I, I, for whatever reason, you know, I told the guy that hired me, uh, I told him what I wanted to do. And it was weird to me that I even told him because, you know, like I said, my own family didn't know that that was my, my desire. And, uh, and he goes, um, Oh, there's a guy that works out here. Who's a wrestler. I should introduce you to him. And his name was Shark Attack Kid. He was uh, not Shark Boy, but Shark Attack Kid. He was <laughs> in the 80s. And uh, he did some ECW stuff and, uh, you know, was um, doing a lot of indie work on the uh, on the East Coast. Um, that's where I'm originally from. This, this took place in New York. And uh, he introduced me to him and I uh, told him, you know, wrestling is my, my dream. I have no idea how to get into it. Would you... Uh, would you accept, uh, you know, training me? And it was just meant to be, man. He, uh, he saw my passion and he said, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the next week, man, we were down at, uh, Mikey Whipwreck's uh, wow. little school. Wow. Incredible. In Long Island. Uh, and, uh, that actually wasn't the very first time. Uh, I was so excited, man, just to even like touch a ring you know, and, uh, we got down there and the ring was taken apart because one of the boards had snapped. And so my first day of training never happened. And, uh, it wasn't until I think a couple weeks later 
that uh, Vinny found another place in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, we went over there and that was it, man. We started, uh, you know, day one of uh, learning how to, how to bump. And uh, shoot, man, the next thing you know, 13 years later or something like that, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, I was doing it that whole time and loving it, man. How how easy or hard was it learning learning the craft, learning the moves, learning how to do it? Did you take to it like a duck to water, or was it quite tough learning learning that that side of the business, learning how to wrestle? Man, I wish I could say that I picked it up right away, but uh, I'm not a very fast learner. You know, even though I've been watching it for so many years, but I always watched it as entertainment and watched the characters and the, you know, um, the uh, the visual and the, you know, obviously um, my uh, my gift is being able to watch these characters and then do impressions of them. You know what I mean? But I wish that I was able to watch Randy Savage and uh, be able to do an impersonation of his matches and pick it up that quick. But I was very slow at learning and um, um, it took a while, man. But when it, when it clicked, you know, um, whatever it was that I was working on, you know, like the bumping came first, of course, my elbows were swollen because I kept on spiking the mat. And, uh, you know, it took a while, man. It took a lot of uh, ice on my elbows and stuff like that. But once I got it, man, you know, I get uh, I could bump like nobody like nobody's business, you know, take a great, uh, so, you know, little by little, man, things came, uh, you know, they, they came slow, but when, when I got it, man, things were on point. That's cool, man. 13 years doing it, man. Where, where were some of the places you went, you know, how, how, how far I'm assuming across, across America doing that full, we, and you, and you were doing it full time as well. It was, it was a full time job. Well, uh, not as full time as I would have liked it to be, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't paying the bills, obviously on the Indies, you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, you're lucky if you get paid at all. There was a couple times that, uh, got stiffed, believe it or not, believe it or not, promoters, stiffing wrestlers, right? Uh, yeah, believe me, it happens. You'd be surprised. But, uh, like I said, I started in New York, um, and was working, uh, up and down the East coast. You know what I mean? Um, made my way to Jersey, met some people in Jersey, started traveling with them, uh, getting booked. Uh, I think, you know, it was mainly on the East coast. So from everywhere from like, uh, uh, New York all the way to like Maine, you know what I mean? Wow. That was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'd worked everywhere, you know, Delaware and, uh, uh, Massachusetts and pretty much everywhere, uh, you know, Northeast, and um, in 2005, uh, OVW, uh, the WWE's developmental system at that mm -hmm. time, they were doing tryouts and they were doing camps and stuff like that. And uh, I, uh, it was like it was like everybody from my area, man, everybody I knew from Jersey, uh, had uh, moved down there, man. Like they moved down on their own dime just to train there, just to try to get signed and. Uh, and I was one of them, man. I went down there on my own dime, you know, I was told, you know, yeah, you could, uh, you could come down here if you want, but you got to pay for the training and you know, you're not under contract. And, uh, so, you know, without even thinking twice, man, I packed up my car, 
whatever would fit. And I drove uh, 28, what was it, uh, 14 hours, was it? Something like that. Um, from New York to, uh, to Louisville, Kentucky. And I uh, started in the beginner's class, even though I had like 10 years, you know, under my belt or whatever it was at that time. Or a little bit more than that. Um, and uh, the next thing you know, I'm in uh, Rip Rogers' class, you know who was actually trained by Macho Man, which is just uh, unbelievable, yeah. you know, <laughs> that uh, he was he was his roommate, you know what I mean? And here yeah. I am being trained by him and hearing wow. stories about Macho Man. Um, and Al Snow was one of my trainers. I, I had, you know, showed that I wanted it. And uh, uh, Danny Davis, who was the, uh, the owner of OVW, yeah. um, he saw – that I wanted it. And I came to him and I said, Hey, I want to, you know, I'd really like to work on your, uh, your TV program on Wednesdays. They had their, their TV. And, uh, he, uh, he told me to show up with my gear the next week, man. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know what I mean? A lot of guys sat back and didn't ask Danny. They were, uh, they were a little intimidated by him. It was like my second week there. And I, I was, uh, you know, I was like, Hey Danny, I'm, you know, I'm hungry, brother. I'm, I'm, I want to be on your TV show. And, uh, so I had a pretty good, you know, pretty, pretty decent run in, uh, OVW, but, um, I was there from 2005 to 2007 and, uh, I got a little frustrated because whenever the office was coming down in the beginning, they were checking out everybody that was in the advanced class. You know what I mean? Where all the contracted guys were, I was in class with, uh, you know, CM Punk and, yeah. uh, uh, Jake, uh, uh, Jack, um, Jaeger, Hager, yeah, Jack, yeah, yeah. Slugger, Jake Hager, yeah, yeah, right. Um, a lot of guys, a lot of guys were, uh, you know, I was training with them, and um, I think the office, you know, saw me like twice or whatever. I did promos and stuff, and that was always my, that was always my strong, you know, my strong point. So I looked forward to doing promos and other people were kind of like, Oh man, it's promo day. Or, you know, we got to do promos for the office. Um, and it, it seemed like I was, uh, you know, getting some, some steam, you know what I mean? I look like, uh, you know, that people were starting to take notice. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the office said that they weren't interested in seeing anybody that wasn't under contract. Uh, whenever they came down, so it's like, well, I just moved my whole life down yeah. here for that reason. That's that's crazy, Vic. That yeah. is that is crazy that, that happened. Like you just think you're there, you're there to do it. You want to do it. You wanted to get to the next level, and that's right. just that's crazy to me. Listen to you telling it, and you know there seemed to be hope before that because a lot of guys, uh, Santino Morella was down at OVW, didn't have a contract when he came down there. He got a contract because the office liked them uh serena deeb yeah she was down there fantastic she was like, she's fantastic yeah. that girl i'm, I'm glad tell you. i'm glad she's getting showcased on the an aw at the moment i know she's done nwa and all, all stuff over the years man serena deeb's a good hand man you watch her and uh you know the younger girls can look out you know look look to her man sorry Vic, i jumped in i jumped no in. no 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 it's no. fine man i, I'm, I I'm, dived I'm, in and i didn't mean to do that not at all, man. It's, uh, you know, like she was like 18, man, just starting out and yeah. she was unbelievable from, she just got it, man. You know, yeah. she was really, uh, she was one of Rip's, uh, you know, favorite students, man, because she just was natural at it. I wish I picked it up the way she did, you know? Um, 
she could out wrestle me like you wouldn't believe, man. She was just so I've seen her do like an hour, you know, uh, just calling it in the ring completely, yeah. man. I mean, um, she didn't have a contract and uh, and she got picked up, uh, you know, while she was down there. So I'm thinking, OK, you know, they are they are signing people. You know what I mean? I'm in the right place. And then they kind of, uh, you know, there was a few people uh that got signed and there was a few that didn't uh pat buck who now works for wwe as a you know uh road agent or whatever he is um phenomenal wrestler man and always changing up his gimmick and always doing something new and uh um and they they wouldn't sign him you know what i mean and he deserved it and uh you know he got frustrated but he didn't give up you know what i mean and now look at the position that he's in you know what i mean um but for me, man, it was like, all right, you know, it was time to move on. I figured that I'm down there. I'm only in Kentucky for, uh, you know, that one reason. And if I'm not going to be getting signed, there's no point in me staying here. It's time to, you know, before I get too old, I got to try to figure out what else I can do. Cause it was all that I ever wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, it pretty much, uh, I thought I was done with my wrestling. Uh, you know, I figured I'm going to leave it here in Kentucky and I'm going to move on. I thought about moving back to New York. Um, but a friend of mine that, uh, that I was friends with from back in New York, when we started training at the, uh, the ECPW school in New Jersey, that's where I met him. Cause later on after, um, I say about, you know, two, three years, uh, training under uh shark attack kid, uh, I moved on and started training at, uh, at, uh, ECPW and, uh, made a lot of friends there, man. Those are the guys that really like, you know, took me with them to go work at the places that they were working at and stuff like that. But, um, one of my, one of my best friends, uh, he moved to Las Vegas. Um, and I'm talking to him and I'm like, Hey man, I think I'm going to get out of here. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't want to go back to New York or, you know, been there, done that. He said, well, come out to Vegas, man. Come live out here. You're an entertainer. You know, get a job in a show or something. And I said, well, all right, you know. And uh, and that's how I ended up here, man. I, uh, I, I said, I'm done with wrestling and I'm going to move on and stay in entertainment. I'm four hours from, from you know, L.A. Yeah. And that was kind of like my backup plan, you know. Of course, like every other wrestler, you know, get into acting and, uh, you know, because I did, I love the entertainment business. So I figured it's, uh, you know, it's a good fit for me and, uh, kind of like everything, my, my plan had kind of gone exactly the way that I had, uh, you know, set it out to be, um, moved to Vegas still, you know, it's hard to get away from wrestling. Next thing you know, I'm finding out about wrestling organizations out here and I'm working on shows and uh, I'm like, what am I doing? I thought I was done. But uh, I ended up getting a job at the Tournament of Kings show, um, which is like the medieval times, you know, the horses and the jousting and the eating with your hands and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was lucky enough to actually get a job um, as a performer in front of an audience, which is something that I was, you know, definitely feeling a void from um, without wrestling. And uh, little by little, I was able to get off that that wrestling uh that wrestling drug, you know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, it started to not be as fun for me. I kind of like started to, to lose the desire to, 
to perform in that way. My body started to tell me that, uh, you know, you're getting older and, uh, you know, it's taking you longer to recover in between matches. And yeah, and that was that. That's incredible. What a story though, man. I just, I, you touched upon CM Punk. Could you have, right. could you have foreseen Phil Brooks, CM Punk getting to the level he got to when you were down at OVW with him? Could you see that that guy had something whereby he was going to take, you know, take it to the next stratosphere? Because we had John, we had John Cena, you know, Punk, Punk had been around for a while, hadn't he? You know, he'd been, been up there a good four or five years on the main roster. But could you foresee, right. could you foreseen it, Vic, in 2005, that he was going to go to the next level as, as a performer? The only reason why I say yes is because um, Paul Heyman was writing mm. the TV um, and he, he loved CM Punk, mm. you know, CM Punk is a Paul Heyman guy. Mm. Um, and it was like uh, every week, the main event was, uh, Brent, Brent Albright right. yeah. and CM Punk. Yeah. You know, they, they had this long, you know, program going and, uh, unbelievable matches and, uh, and the business was kind of changing at that time where wrestlers were starting to, uh, look in, in my opinion, you know, less like with the physique. wrestlers, Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Batista was kind of like, uh, on top at that time, but you could see that that was, uh, you know, other guys like, you know, uh, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, I think Daniel Bryan may have came a little bit later on, um. And he wasn't down at OVW. I'm just naming names that yeah, kind of like yeah. indie guys. Set them all. You know, they, yeah. Yeah. They started, yeah, you know, like uh, they used to, WWE had no interest in uh, anybody who worked on the indies at, you know, that time. They wanted to grow their own talent. That's why they had a developmental. And uh, CM Punk was like the only guy that they, uh, that they took from the, uh, the indies. You know, he was on the indies since he was like 15. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, WWE started to bring guys in slowly from the indies. And uh, I don't think that the office was um, as big on CM Punk as uh, Paul Heyman was. And Paul Heyman kind of just, you know, made it happen for him. So I didn't really know whether or not no, it was no. going to happen. Um, but it happened, man. It really, you know, he was uh, he was that that transition you know we went from like the Hulk Hogan's to like the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels you know what I mean and then uh you know every decade or so the wrestlers kind of like you know what a wrestler uh was is not what a wrestler is anymore you know what I mean so it was changing and now CM Punk was kind of like uh he was great on the mic man and that nice. that was something that <laughs> the roster was lacking that for a while he, he just, it was just incredible, especially that run. I, I even go back to like when he was winning money in the bank and things like that, you know, he was always put in that position. But, you know, when you think, you think how big Cena was and, and in terms of merch sales and things like that, Vic, it's just incredible what, what he managed to achieve. And, uh, you know, some people say about bad attitude, but he had a vision, didn't he, further on in WWE and, you know, WWE weren't akin to that. You know, I, I I was out in I was out in New York for WrestleMania 29 when he was against Undertaker. Incredible match, but they said right. about but they said about his poor attitude, Vic. But he obviously didn't like the direction they were taking him in. So 
you know, he's not. He wasn't one of them guys that would keep his mouth shut. He, he, if he had a problem, he vented. I think, but right, maybe maybe that, maybe that shot him in the foot a little bit, where they might have put the put the gold back on him. Well, one thing I could say, like knowing uh, knowing CM Punk while I was down there, you know what I mean. I actually had a match with him, <laughs> you know, I, and it was a title match. He had the OVW uh, title yeah. at the time, and uh, yep. I uh, had a match with him. Didn't win. He got lucky. But uh, he uh, he's as real he's as real as real could be in a world of uh, phony, you know, uh, BS. Um, he is uh, exactly what you see on TV, man. If he's got something on his mind, he's going to say it. He is a straight edge guy. I, I worked uh, when I was down at OVW. I was working at a bar, um, and the guys would come in, and he didn't drink, he didn't smoke. Um, he uh, and he spoke his mind, man. And he was uh, he was quite popular with the ladies too, man. He had a real <laughs> good track record. The, the, Let me tell you, man. The debate that, that that's the debate. What does CM stand for? We've heard chip magnet. We've heard all sorts of different stuff, man. That yeah. No one, no one can take that away from him, Vic. He's always I'm had the, he, you, man. He always had the ladies on on his arm. We knew from like internet wrestling on on the chat rooms and that he was he was hitting he was hitting home runs with the ladies, Vic. My God, man, he was with Maria. Yeah, when we were down there. She, um, yeah, very nice now, looking lady. Now he's with AJ and she's hot, and uh, he was with Lita and he was with. Um, uh, he and chicks dig him. Chicks he, dig CM Punk. He, even before TNA, Tracy Brooks. Right. Uh, yeah, man. He's just right. like I. We we we're merely we could probably find out more women actually, but yeah, yeah, man. Just, oh my uh, god, man! I mean, you know, I admire his uh, his wrestling, and I admire his mic skills, and I uh, and I admire him as a person because of like he's real, man. You know what I mean? And. um and that confidence that he uh, that he shows on TV when he says he's the best in the world, mm. like he means it mm. when he's saying it, man. There's truth behind that. He believes it, and um, that's not a character, man. He's so everybody likes to see him punk character. What they don't understand is that that's him, man, and he's an awesome guy. Right, I'm going to segue now into you being macho man and doing it, doing the impersonating. Right. And also, also the gear. I've got to ask about the gear. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Look at the detail in the gear. How much? How much does it cost to have the get up, Vic? How much? How much does that cost you to set all that up? Because that can't come cheap. You know, you've got to look. You've got to look the real deal, and you do, man. You're you're a dead ringer for the for the legend that is Macho Man, Randy Savage. Well, thank you for that. And uh, here's the thing, man. I uh, I go to Goodwill. And I go to the dollar store and I'll just see things and I'll find things and I'll go, okay, you know, I could do something with this and I could do something with that. This jacket here, this was just a plain, uh, you know, black and pink jacket, you know, like that shiny material in the women's section. You know what I mean? Uh, it was actually very, very small. It was a very, uh, you know, it was very tight. Um, could hardly put it on, but I said, man, that jacket is, you know, I could do something with that for sure. And uh, so I bought the jacket. It was like, I don't know, maybe like 15 bucks or whatever it was. And um, 
I made some uh, some friends uh, in the wardrobe department at Tournament of Kings uh, when I was working there, and uh, a few of them uh, helped me out uh, with making my stuff. I got uh, you know I got tights uh, that were just you know regular tights that I that I actually uh, it was a pair of plain black tights that. Uh, that I actually got for free because that was one of the things that we wore underneath our stuff at tournament of Kings. So I asked if I could get a pair of, uh, you know, the, the, the black, you know, plain black tights. And, uh, and I, I would buy, you know, shirts and, uh, just things that had a cool pattern on it. Um, you know, a, a women's blouse or something like that, that had like a cool pattern or was cool material. And I would just buy these things. And, uh, so I just pretty much gave, all this material and stuff like that to one of the wardrobe people that I had uh, become friends with showed her a couple pictures of macho man. Uh, there was actually two people that, uh, that helped, you know, make my stuff uh, from the wardrobe department uh, there at the show. And uh, I said, Hey man, you know, if you, you know, give me a price of what you charge to, uh, you know, make some cool stuff and uh, showed them some pictures and, uh, uh, they just, yeah, they're just talented at what they do, man. And next thing you know, I got this awesome thing with the fringe and it, you know, it says macho man on the back. I don't know if you can see yeah. it. That's brilliant. Yeah. You know that's brilliant. The viewers, the viewers will appreciate that. They will be listening to this episode as well on Spotify and Apple, but yeah. And I will, I will um, tell people to check the YouTube video out to see you in your full brigade. Oh, right. You know, the whole, right. the whole kit and caboodle right in front of them. Yeah, if they're not checking out the visual along with hearing it, man, they're uh, doing <laughs> themselves a disservice. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, yeah, man, that's the deal with the. Uh, yeah. You know, I have a bag full of uh, of material, man. Like just you know, random stuff. I, I saw a bunch of uh, shiny gold stuff, you know, and I said, "All right, well, I got my Macho King stuff." You know what I mean? I'm I'm just waiting for uh, my wardrobe people to have some free time and make all kinds of uh, you know new stuff. That's brilliant, man. I, I love it. I just it's brilliant. We all I, I love I love I love the nostalgia element of the business. Like I, I started watching in nineteen ninety over in the UK. But we didn't get we didn't get like um even in the eighties when I was you know too young to know what was going on. We didn't get the territories over here. Where you got all the territories and saw all these guys previous to WWF. We didn't know we just thought Mr. Perfect turned up and that was his first job in the business. <laughs> right. Yeah, when we when we were kids, we didn't know any different. Whereas like I, I speak to a guy over in the States and he's like, I was watching AWA in the 80s. I saw Kurt Hennig, you know, I saw I saw all those guys prior. It's just crazy. It's just crazy, man. I love I love that era, the 80s, 90s. It's still my favorite. Uh, forget the attitude era, Vic. I I that, right. that's I like all that 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 era. Absolutely. Me too, man. Uh, like I said, I started watching in the, uh, what was it, the golden era? No, the, uh, right, the golden era. Yeah, gold, golden era, man, yeah. yeah. Right, Hulk Hogan and, uh, you know, and then uh, the new generation, and I got into the whole, like, Shawn Michaels, and, uh, you know, there was that, that bad period of uh, the golden era, uh, not the golden era, the uh, the new generation when, you know, like, uh, guys like uh, T.L. Hopper, you know what I mean, and, uh <laughs> You know, they went through some bad times yeah. during that whole scandal, you know, uh, but I stayed loyal, man. I was always a WWF guy and, uh, 
as soon as I saw Macho Man, I, I became a, a Macho Man fan right away. He took Hulk Hogan's place as far as my favorite, you know. And uh, and again, it wasn't because of the wrestling. I didn't know wrestling, you know. I just knew that uh, this guy that come out and do these promos with this voice and the mannerisms and, and Elizabeth, of course, you know. Who didn't have a crush on Elizabeth? Oh, my days, even when I was a youngster. When I was, I was not long out of nappies. <laughs> mm. Absolutely, absolutely incredible, incredible stuff, man. And I, I loved the Attitude Era as well. Like I, I stayed yeah. loyal. I never, I never watched uh, WCW. Never got into See, it. We, we watched it. We used to get obviously you get it on the Monday over there. We used to get Raw on a Friday here on Sky, and we, but we, oh. but we also had TNT, which Cartoon Network changed over to TNT at night. So we. We watched a little bit of Nitro as well, me and my cousin. But I've always been like yourself, it's WWF. But we did, yeah. I did watch a bit of Nitro. But I also, prior to that, uh, I used to watch WCW Worldwide prior, like 91, 92, 93. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I always looked at WCW as like, I, I just thought, like, you know, again, I, I really didn't know, I didn't know as much as I do now about wrestling and about you know the territories and about like you know that wcw was nwa and that it was you know it, to me it was just like you know wcw or nwa or anything other than wwf was like the minor leagues and i had no interest in watching like i i knew who rick flair was but i was like this guy doesn't interest me you know what i mean it was like i guess there was more like wrestlers there you know what i mean yeah, guys like Arn ab- anderson absolutely yeah I was I was more of a character guy, you know what I mean. I Absolutely. liked guys that were uh, over the top characters, and uh, you know the, the the costuming and the you know whatever. So um, the only time that I started to watch any WCW was when uh, this NWO thing formed, and and it seemed as if uh, the NWO was all. WWE or WWF guys that were jumping ship. So I was like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. Who's leaving? You know what I mean? Because it started with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? They're, and then they started recruiting more former WWF guys. So that I started doing the, the you know, the channel uh, hopping, clicking back and forth. Absolutely. We were all, we were that all, was it, man. We were all doing it, I think. It was like, wow, it's like, it's incredible. Vic. Where can we find you in terms of social media with the Macho Man stuff? Just to tell the listeners, the viewers, where they can find you. I'm going to plug. I'm going to plug the heck out of everything that you do. Uh, I know you can't wait to do the appearances again once we're fully functional after the pandemic. So yeah, so close on. So close on, man. Plug, plug your stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's all in the spelling, man. It's M O T C H O. M-A-N-N. If you Google that with the correct spelling, I'm sure all my social media will pop up. But I'll tell you now, if you go to Mach, M-O-T-C-H-O, tweet, that's my Twitter, obviously. And then Graham is my Instagram. And uh, if you just put in Man on uh, Facebook, you'll find a couple pages. Um, got the Macho Man fan page, and then there's also a Mach World Order page that's, uh, I mean, 
there's a lot of like Facebook. I think I have a hundred different uh, Facebook pages. So if it's spelt that way, it's real. It's you're me. In, you're into the, you're in the right ballpark. Absolutely. Right. My guest, my first guest, actually, we're nearly on 80 episodes of this podcast. My first guest from Las Vegas, Nevada, it is Vic Vine. He was known as Vic Divine when he was wrestling many years ago. He is the macho man, I'm going to get that right, impersonator, the number one impersonator of the macho man, Randy Savage. No question, no question. You might have seen some other guys trying to replicate it. This guy replicates the legend of Randy Savage perfectly it's on point thank you brother how it how it thank should you. be how it should be thank you the fantastic macho man there uncanny uncanny how much he is like randy savage to keep the voice up throughout the interview as well incredible and then vic Byron was also wrestling as you got to hear that it was incredible to hear about his time in obw what a lovely, lovely guy. So humble. Um, we can't wait for him to get back on the convention scene. Uh, just great, great hearing about his story, being at Double or Nothing in 2019 and winning the competition and sitting ringside for that first event with AEW. That was my guest for episode 83. And you can find Vic at M-O-T-C-H-O-M-A-N-N, which is Macho Man, on all social media. You can even type it into Google to find him. A big, big thank you to Chris Dutton for editing again. Fantastic job. Thank you to Powered4 as well for all their support. Thank you, Rich and John. Thank you to Evade Escape as well for the music in the intro and the outro. And we will see you in a couple of weeks for the next episode. Thank you. Take care. Podcast Network.